Hi everyone, I'm Nikki Oganaki, Digital Director of Harper's Bazaar. And I'm her sister, veteran journalist Lolo Oganaike, and this is Well Suited, our fun and freewheeling deep dive into the minds of the most stylish people on the planet. We're talking about their fondest fashion memories, their personal style, and how they dress for life's most important occasions. We're also chatting about their remarkable careers and their lives on the grand cultural stage. And today we're speaking with Sergio Hudson. Yes, Sergio. <laughs> this LA-based designer has been called a master of streamlined silhouettes, and he's dressed everyone, and I do mean everyone, from Amal Clooney and Beyonce to Jennifer Lopez, and Tracy Ellis Ross. What a casual list of people to dress, <laughs> just, huh? Just casual, just casual. <laughs> you know, Sergio's also brought his signature red carpet style to the inauguration, outfitting First Lady Michelle Obama and Vice President Kamala Harris, and looks that set social media ablaze. Mm -hmm. We're only two months into the year, and Sergio's already won 2021. <laughs> Sergio Hudson, welcome to Well Suited. Yes. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I mean, Sergio, listen, you have won 2021. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the jury is still out on that. We'll see after the file collection comes out. But Sergio, <laughs> what has it been like to be the designer that everyone's raving about? Um, you know what's crazy? I feel like a lot of times, um, I don't know if you guys experience this working in fashion, but when you meet a hallmark in your career, sometimes your head has been down and just working so hard for so long that you don't, you can't really grasp like, okay, I actually did something like, because it's always like, okay, this is next. This is next. So I'm still like, I'm still like in grind mode. Like, okay, I have to get in these stores. Okay. I have to do this. I have to do that. And you did, I never really stepped back and been like, okay, we've done this, you know, and especially with the pandemic, um, like my business partner was saying, we haven't even celebrated. And it's like, in my head, like, what is there to celebrate? It's just another avenue to get to where we really want to be. So I don't know. I feel like I'm an overachiever. And that just comes from, you know, being an African-American man from the South, raised by parents who pushed me to overachieve. So it's all, like always, okay, what's next? What's the biggest thing that we can do? to change something for somebody else. That's my goal at the end of the day. Okay, Sergio, you are the definition of an overachiever and I can fully relate to always feeling like you need to rack up that next accomplishment. But today we are going to celebrate <laughs> you today and you're going to change you on, on this, this day, day. <laughs> and you're going to take, you. and you're going to take this all in. So, okay. Just, for the record, in case you haven't realized, <laughs> you dressed the first female vice president of the United States, the first black vice president of the United States, the first South Asian vice president of the United States for one of the biggest moments of her life. Take it in. <laughs> you did that. <laughs> yeah, it was a moment. <laughs> a, moment. a moment. All right. Okay. So take us back to this moment and the lead up to this moment. I mean, talk about pressure. Were you nervous, excited, overwhelmed, all of the above? Because again, you're dressing Kamala Harris for one of the biggest moments of her life. 
Um, well, you know what's crazy? I have been working with her team um, through the campaign, and we have made some custom suits for the campaign that she's worn, but, you know, you don't really want to, like, put it out there like, oh, it's not like a not like dressing J-Lo or something. It's like, this is serious. Like, this is something that's changing the landscape of history. It's not just another pretty dress. So you always have to be so careful when you are dealing with those type of people and especially like groundbreaking people. Like, this is uncharted waters that we're in. And mm-hmm. so we had been working together. And then when the inauguration came up, um, I was given the option to submit for it. And we got the inaugural ball that got canceled. <laughs> so once, um, and then they downsized the ball to just like something simple that was just supposed to be, you know, like the cabinet and the cabinet's family. And then after the insurrection, that got canceled and they just were doing the TV special. Um, So we had designed like a beautiful gown, just simple gown, you know, understated as she always is. Um, But it was a sequin gown to the floor. And then we had this beautiful opera coat that she was going to wear over it. And then the insurrection happened and we got the call like, okay, we have to turn this opera coat into like a trench coat because she's going to be outside. She's going to be, you know, doing something very serious and she's going to be speaking. So it kind of turned into from a ball glamorous moment into like, okay, this is a serious moment. But I feel like a lot of times with her, um, she has to be something to everybody and, and and I think what does that what does that mean exactly when you say she has to be something what does that this mean? is now this is not straight from the horse's mouth it's just something that I noticed personally when mm-hmm. I was designing mm-hmm. for her um they're very careful about how she presents herself they don't want people to say oh this is what she wore first they want to say this is who she is first because it's a responsibility mm-hmm. there for it's much it's much more than fashion and the one of the notes that we got from the team was she's not a first lady and that's something that you that you have to remember she's an elected official so when we were designing for her that was the only the tough part because you know knowing that she's a beautiful woman and she loves fashion and you know she wants to be you know like every woman you can tell by the way she steps out like okay this is what I want to be, but she has taken letting that take let that take a back seat to the responsibility. Made it even more important for me to make something beautiful for her. So, at the last minute, the the dress, the gown got turned to a cocktail dress, and the coat got turned into a, a evening trench coat. So, wait, how much time did you have to turn that around? We made the trench coat in two days. <sighs> And I flew it to D.C. the Monday before they fit it on Tuesday. Thank God it fit perfectly. So there were no alterations. But yeah, and she wore it Wednesday night. (laughs) Wow. You know, Sergio, something I love that you told um, Harper's Bazaar was that you did black sequins because she shines so we all can shine. And I thought that was so, so powerful. Yeah, I mean, you I wanted to give her a glamorous moment that could still be understated and what you would imagine the first female vice president to wear, but some, but she's a woman, like she wants to shine. She wants to be sparkly when it's an evening affair and it's the biggest moment of her life thus far. 
and I, that's what people sometimes forget. Like you want to celebrate like the hard work, like that's a lifelong accomplishment. <laughs> so we took it upon ourselves to make sure that she got that moment. She, got, she definitely that moment got that moment for sure. Yes. Um, Sergio, why do you think it was important for her to wear black designers on a day when she knew she'd be most visible? Because that's a very intentional decision. It was a very intentional decision. And I didn't realize that was the decision until the day came up and I saw Christopher was dressed up for the morning. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, you know, everybody didn't know that I was dressed up for that night at that time. But, you know, Kirby dressed her the night before and then Christopher. And it was like, oh, okay, I see. It was very intentional. And it was, I felt like it was showing that we are a broader spectrum than just mm. urban wear mm-hmm. in the fashion mm-hmm. industry. And it was beautiful to see, you know, all this wonderful tailoring and, you know, American sportswear from an African-American designer. Like, it was just, like, we do that too. Mm-hmm. Don't put us in a box. We're not in a box. We're not monolithic. We are everything and we do everything. And I felt like that was the moment that they showed you know, black people, we can, we are Americans and we live in every sector of America, including sportswear. It's so funny because there is still that assumption in certain sectors of the fashion world that black designers only design urban wear. Yeah. We only, de- like we, we, you all only design, I'm a, I'm a designer now because I've talked to, Sir- I've talked to Sergio Hudson for six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for your line dropping in 2022. Exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> but the assumption is that black designers only want to stay in the urban wear lane or can only stay in the urban wear lane and only want to design track suits and sneakers. And that couldn't be further from the case. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we do that. I mean, because that's us. We originated that. But we do other stuff as well. Yes. So when I'm when I do interviews and I tell people things like that, I don't want them to ever think that I'm downing or urban designer. I'm just saying that's the lane that they have given us to walk in. And that's the only lane that I feel like they're okay with sometimes. Mm-hmm. I tell the story all the time about this popular boutique I went into when I first came to L.A. And the buyer told me my clothes should be more urban. The buyer told you that? To my face, yes. But you know your clothes. They're your clothes. <laughs> I know. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I feel like it's an education thing. It's not really, I personally don't think that people in fashion are racist. They just need to be educated and they're ignorant to the broad spectrum of what black people are. Mm-hmm. So that day was a moment, a teaching moment, I felt yes. like. Yes, Lola knows I love a teaching moment too. Lola, we have to get into Michelle <laughs> Obama's look. When I yes. tell you, Woo! Michelle Obama walked on yes. to that screen and I screamed, <laughs> I gagged, I said, <laughs> Miss Michelle. I, I mean, it took me out, Miss. the monochromatic overcoat, <laughs> turtleneck, wide leg pants, the signature belt. You have to walk us through how this look came to be and how much input did the first lady and her team have in the design? Um, well, honestly, um, I worked very closely with Meredith Cuckoo, her stylist. 
And she just reached out to me. She was like, do you want to dress Michelle for inauguration? And I was like, of course. And, um, <laughs> yes. Uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a little busy, Meredith, but maybe like next like, of year. Course, <laughs> of course. Of course it's a yes. <laughs> but literally, that's how the conversation went because, you know, she's just such an easy person to work with and she's just so, um, Meredith is very intentional in the designers that she chooses to put Mrs. Obama in. I don't, you know, if you notice, like, she is just very, like, she doesn't want to just ride the line of what is normal. And she is, she wants to change people's lives. She wants to open up the world to see things that they haven't seen before. So that's why we work together so well, because I can feel the intentions from her. And so, and she just really loves my aesthetic. So we did some sketches. But at the end of the day, we just settled on a look that was from my fall 20 collection. And we turned the sweater dress into a sweater. We made pants instead of it being a dress. And we extended the coat to the floor so she wouldn't be cold. And that was literally the beginning, middle, and end. It was directly from my fall 20 collection. The belt, everything was something that I had done already. Um, and we just did it for her. And it was the moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you did it for her, but you also did it for the culture because <laughs> I mean, her hair was laid. Her look was pure fire. Her man was so proud to have her on his arm. <laughs> and you could also tell that she was feeling herself. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it was the confidence for me, but yes. I, um, yes. I, I told everybody not to downgrade what I do or what, you know, the clothes that I made, but it was the clothes, it was the hair, it was her attitude, the way she walked, the way she felt, you could see it. So that's what made that moment. And I think a lot of times, like I say, I have my head down so much. And I was so focused on getting that coat to Kamala the night before. I was just like, okay, we had did that already. Like, You mean Michelle, Michelle Obama's look was done the week before? Yeah, that okay. was done. Okay. Um, they're very organized and like, we need it by this time. <laughs> I started on that like two months before. Okay. So, um, so that was done. And I really wasn't thinking that hard about it. And... When I got the text, like, okay, she's wearing it, um, pay attention to the TV. And I walked into the, because uh, I was traveling from D.C. to Atlanta to do a shoot for my spring campaign. And I was in Philadelphia in the airport, and I was watching with everybody else as she walked out. And I heard the audible gasp from the people in the lounge. Like, everybody was like, <gasps> and I was just like, myself and I forgot for a split second that I had made the outfit I was like oh my god she looks good <laughs> I love that story <laughs> I'm serious I, I love that you gasped for yourself you're like that yeah, diner, this designer is so great like, for a That's split me. Second, I forgot. and it was weird and I, I don't like I try not to like I'm a spiritual person and I feel like things and I just at that moment I knew things had changed. Like I could mm. feel the shift in the atmosphere. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is different than anything I've ever done before. And it was so unexpected. The girl next to me, she said, I have to see who made this. And she started Googling immediately. And my name came up. She was like, his name is Sergio Hudson. And I was like, 
and I just kind of left. <laughs> I was like, I left alone. Because <laughs> I just, I was like, okay, this is crazy. Like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. And from that moment on, I see, and actually, after that, I had like the info email still coming to my phone from my website, and it was like blowing up. Mm-hmm. I had to like delete the email from my phone because it was like going off immediately. Yeah, it, it was an immediate change. I mean, Sergio, wow. that had to be an incredibly emotional day for you. I mean, not only... It definitely was. I mean, not, <laughs> not only are you dressing two of the most powerful women in the world, but they're Black women, and social media is letting you know that you killed it. How did you keep it together? Um, I had to keep it together because I went into, like, business mode. Like, okay, um, what do we do? What, how do we handle this? I'm getting all these press requests. And so I flew to Atlanta. I went to my Airbnb and I was blocked in for two days doing press interviews. So I didn't have time to like, <laughs> like I didn't eat. I didn't do anything but like do interviews and sleep for two days. Wow. Total. What a moment to just realize that like your life is completely changing. Like it's a huge shift immediately. Yeah. It's, you know, and you always hear, okay, it, it takes that one time for that to happen. But I mean, I've dressed everybody and you know, it's, it's been like, you know, we've had good moments and you've seen a influx in business and you get a lot of exposure, but never anything like this. So it's definitely um, a different ball game at this point. <laughs> Two quick questions. The signature belt is completely sold out. It is the must-have accessory. How many requests for the belt have poured in since Michelle Obama rocked it? And when are you going to send me a Nikki R belt? Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And do you need my address for my belt? Exactly. Yes, the belt is sold out. Um, We are taking, we had to start taking like pre-sale orders. Because once we once the belt sold out, it was like people were like, okay, but when are we gonna be able to get it? So I had to figure out a way to get two people. So we put it up for pre-sale, which is about to go down in a few days because I can't like, yeah. So lots of like, pre-sale. Yeah, lots of pre-sale, lots of orders. Um, I'm in belt land right now in the midst <laughs> of. What does Beltland look like? Um, Beltland looks really like a lot of boxes, a lot of buckles, a lot of leather everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of emails. (laughs) So how did you land on, uh, you know, Michelle Obama's radar? You've dressed her um, a few times now. You mentioned working with Meredith Coop a lot as well. Okay, well, good old Instagram. I, um... I noticed one day she started following me. So immediately I DM'd her and I was like, I would love to dress Miss LaFox. Wait, who started following you? Meredith Coop. Okay. Okay. I thought you said Michelle Obama started following you. I would have, I was about <laughs> no. to. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> Meredith started following me and I DM'd her and I was like, I would love to dress Miss Obama. Like, can we make that happen? And she replied and she was like, of course. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. She actually messaged me back. And I bet I didn't think anything of it. Not a month later, she was reaching out like, okay, we're doing this. Can you make something for this? And I was like, of course. (laughs) And I was making my first look for her. That's fantastic. I mean, have you spoken with 
the team about the impact of that day. And after you successfully dress Michelle Obama for one of the biggest days of 2020, 2021, I mean, do you send her a thank you note? Does she send you a thank you note? Do you send flowers? Does she send you flowers? How does that work? Um, (laughs) I mean, how do you let... How do you let each other know that we did this? <laughs> um, you know, it's very like, especially with the, it's different. Like with celebrities, you can kind of be a little more, like you can send them flowers and you can do stuff like that. But with the political people, it's very like. Straight, in order. We stay over there, we stay over there. And we work with her, you and we work with you. So it's kind of like that. But I can get messages to her through Meredith. She likes to look good, and she trusts Meredith with her life, pretty much. Wow. So wow. if she looks good, she's like, okay, I like this. She knows what she likes and what she doesn't like. So if you send a sketch, you can send a sketch, and you get note back, okay, this isn't going to work. That means she didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> or she didn't want to wear that. <laughs> but shout out to Meredith as well. Oh, yeah. She's a, like, she is, I feel like a very underrated stylist because she kind of flies under the radar, but she's one of the best that I've ever worked with. And that's saying a lot because I work with a lot of them, Mm. but she really understands a woman's body. Like Michelle is a real woman. She's not, you know, some person that like stars themselves to be skinny or like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's just a real woman, a real size woman. Mm -hmm. And she looks beautiful. Like, all the time and it's definitely a lot to do with what Meredith does. All right, before we move on from the inauguration, cause we have to talk about your background and your journey also, but can we please talk about the other style star of that day, Bernie Sanders? Okay, it was the mittens for me. <laughs> it was the mittens, it was. It was the mittens for me too. You know what's crazy? I was I was talking to um Carla, Carla Wells, she's a stylist and we were really cool. And I was like, Okay, I know if you reach out to them like they'll give you the mittens like so can you see if we can get them? <laughs> and she was like, I already did and they like they on back order and she's like, I don't care who you dress. I'm not <laughs> I know. That lady in Vermont is like, whatever. <laughs> She's like, okay, you dress Trace Ellis Ross. I don't care. <laughs> She's like, I make mittens for Bernie Sanders. Who is Trace Ellis Ross? <laughs> Does she like mittens? Because if she doesn't, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> but it, so we've been plotting to get those mittens, but it's just not quite working out for us. Maybe so. you can trade the mittens for a belt. <laughs> I don't think she care about the belt either. <laughs> You know, it was the mittens for me. It was the it was the coat. It was the chair. It was it was the being off to the side. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I'm just I here so really I don't like get fined. Like that energy. <laughs> yeah, like pretty much like I got work to do. Like I don't have time for this pomp and circumstance during a pandemic. Like I don't have time for this. Like you can just read his mind. Mm-hmm. Like why didn't we just do this inside? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, You know, Sergio, okay, so let's talk about your journey. As a kid growing up in South Carolina, was there one piece that you were desperate to have? 
Um, you know what's crazy? I never was obsessed with fashion for myself. It was always like, what was the next thing that my mom was going to wear? So, oh. <laughs> um, I didn't. I wasn't one of those kids that grew up like being obsessed with fashion, like it was an unobtainable thing. We weren't wealthy by any means, but my mom always had like designer pieces. It was not, you know, because she you spend money on what you like. And mm -hmm. she made clothes and, you know, getting dressed was an event for her. Like she would plan on outfits for two to three weeks just for one church Sunday. She would find a shoe and like, okay, I need this type of suit. I need this type of jacket. She couldn't find it. So she would go fabric shopping to make it. It was always, you know, an event to get dressed. And that's how I grew up. And that's how I assumed most women were. Like they really thought about everything that they were going to put on. And so that's how, why I design like I do. That's why I'm always so monochromatic because I'm just kind of obsessed with like matchy wetchiness <laughs> for lack of a better term. <laughs> it's like, to me, it's like, the, it's like the, when you, when you growing up in the late eighties, early nineties, the baddest chick in the room was going to be the one who had on the red dress, the red pumps, the red purse, the red oh, overcoat. No, like right. that was it. So, I mean, now to take that and modernize it and to make it a thing and not just make it like it's intentional. It's not, to me, that's what makes it, you know, and it just elongates you and makes you, it's like an instant chic. No matter how simple the lines are, when you see that color from head to toe, it's like, bam, like that's a moment. Yep. So Sergio, when did you first fall in love with fashion? And then when did you decide to pursue this dream of designing? Well, um, well, I don't remember the actual moment. I just know I was four or five years old watching CNN style with Elsa Clinch, and I was obsessed from a very, very early age. Some of the references that I give, a lot of times when I get older, I'm getting interviewed by older people in fashion. They're like, how do you remember that? How do you know that? I was like, I was like four or five, and I was in tune with fashion like I knew who Johnny Versace was I knew who Azadine Alaya was I knew like what their aesthetics were I knew that Azadine Alaya had his hands on every piece of clothing that he made and I just you know I was obsessed at a very early age I do there were two moments when I knew I had made the physical decision to be a designer was well actually there was like three moments but the first two were this movie this movie called Betsy's Wedding with Marla Ringwald. Mm. And it was like, she was like getting married in the movie, but she was like a really quirky girl who dressed different. But in the in the movie, she was going to FIT. Like she was a design student. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to go to FIT. I'm going to be a designer. And then this, one of the second moments was when Batman Returns came out with Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. I remember, costume designer was on Entertainment Tonight and he was like sketching the outfit and telling about how it was made out of latex and how it took her like four hours to get into it and I was just like at that moment that's when I started sketching clothes because I saw what he did and then the third moment would be um Johnny's Versace Johnny Versace's um bondage collection mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like seeing that show Oh, I think it was like fashion television or something. And hearing him describe it, he just like made me know that's who I want to be. That's what I want to be. And that's what I'm going to do. From that moment, it's just been like 
Wow. Yeah, but who's is that? Is that someone beating down your door to get some belts? <laughs> it's them working. Give me the belts, Sergio. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Give me the belts. <laughs> I They're need working. the belts. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally how they do. But it's them working up there. Sorry. That's okay. It's okay. I can, I, I <laughs> we'll work around it. We'll work around it. So a lot of people don't know that you've been grinding for well over a decade. All the way back in 2013, you even appeared on the Bravo fashion competition series, Style to Rock. Rihanna executive produced that show and you won the $100,000 grand prize. How did that experience impact your career? Um, well, it was amazing, mostly because I was straight out of South Carolina. I had never worked with celebrities of that caliber at the time. Um, so it was like a great training ground for what we do now. Um, so when we did it, it was like, okay, I'm just like in the zone. Like we're directing Miley Cyrus, we're directing Kelly Osborne, you know, meeting Khloe Kardashian. We are working pretty much for Rihanna. It was a lot to take in all at one time. But I just went in and was like, I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to, you know, live my dream. Uh, I feel like people are just discovering my talent as far as the, my, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I just have a very, um, it's not, cheapness comes natural to me. So I just kind of, simplicity and cheap is just like words that I, live by. So when I came in with that, I don't think people expected because all the other designers were like, I was the only ready to wear designer there. Most of them were like costume designers. So when I came in, it was easy for me to stand out. And that's what the crazy thing is, that's the reason why I moved to LA because I realized, okay, there are not a lot of ready to wear designers based in LA anymore. So if I go there, I would stand out more and I would get more opportunities because there aren't a lot of me here. And I felt like in New York, there were a hundred Sergio's. In LA, it would only be one. So then they needed a suit and they didn't need the crazy outfit for stage. They would call me because I'm easier to get to than who's in New York or Milan or Paris. So that's kind of, it kind of molded um, my idea of how I was going to enter the industry because before that I was thinking about going to New York and doing it the traditional way. And that's, yeah, so, that's so that's, wise. That's yeah, really, that's, really wise. You that's know, actually really smart fashion advice. Like sometimes it is better to be a bigger fish in a small pond than vice versa. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Sergio, you you know you mentioned your polished suits, and you're also known for your bold use of color. Has this always been your aesthetic, or did it evolve over time? It's definitely always been my aesthetic. Um, I felt like I'm just the type of designer that likes really polished looks. I love tailoring. I love color. I love sexy lines as well. So you'll see anything from like a tailored tuxedo suit from me down to a plunging that lying gown. It's just, I just like lines. I like the women's of the woman's body. I like powerful women. So I feel like I mean, it's what's better than to see a woman in a tailored suit that's like a bright citron. Like it's 
it's nothing better than to take this like manly notion of something and to feminize it with like this really bright, crazy color. So that's just kind of where my mind goes a lot. How do you want a woman to feel when she's wearing Sergio Hudson? Powerful. I mean, I love women, of course. My, I, I love my mother. She's my main youth. I have two daughters. Uh, I, I have just so many women in my life that I worship and adore. And I want them always to feel powerful. I want them to feel strong. I want them to feel in control. Um, women are the cradle of civilization. And I feel like it is my responsibility to make them feel as such. So when I think about women, when I think about the women that I'm dressing, I always put them on this pedestal that how the power that a woman possess, if I can add something to that, then it's my goal. It's my purpose in life. It's to dress women. That's what I feel like I was created to do. So let's talk about red carpet dressing for a second. You know, award mm-hmm. season is upon us. Uh, yes. Who, who are you going to be dressing? Can you give us a bit of a scoop? You know what's crazy? I don't really have a lot of fires in the fire, but it's a couple. Um, we're trying to vet what we do next very carefully. So, and you know, to be honest, taking doing the celebrity red carpet, it takes up a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of man hours that I just don't have at the moment. Everything is going toward fulfilling order. Well, well. <laughs> so um, we have we we have to um, be picky and make sure we pick the right people. And then award season is still we're in the throes of a pandemic, so just. Most of them aren't even excited about it mm. at this point. Like celebrities, like okay, let's just go buy a dress from Nina. I'm over oh, it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So before the pandemic, who did you enjoy dressing for the red carpet? Um, of course, it's always a joy to dress Jennifer Lopez. Like she's one of my favorites that I've ever dressed. Yes, just because she was so sweet and she actually. It wasn't just like a dress hanging on her rack. Like she requested my collection when she saw the picture. So when she wore my pieces, I knew it was a personal connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she just wears clothes so well. Like when Zayla wears something, it's just like, you know, it's official. Like it's going to look good. So, <laughs> And she exudes that power and that confidence that you love as well. She does. She is to me becomes more and more JLo, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about her. Nikki knows that I, I'm a huge JLo fan as well. So <laughs> that could be a whole separate podcast with me and you talking about JLo's fashion. <laughs> um, but yeah. one of the things I love the most about JLo's style is that you can tell that she really enjoys wearing fashion. She enjoys dressing she up. Um, and you've also said that one of your goals as a designer is to bring the joy of American sportswear back. Why do you think the joy of American sportswear has been lost? I think we lost our purpose in American fashion. And me saying that is if you go back to like the battle at Versailles, I feel like that's when the, Ooh, yes. the, the joy was sparked at that time. Like, okay, we can do this. We are American, but we have our own voice. We have our own style. We have something to bring to this industry. And I feel like through the 80s, that flourished. And then through the 90s, 
it started to wane. And by the time you got to the end of the 90s, going into the early 2000s, it was like, the, I feel like the fashion capitals kind of melted together and you couldn't tell who was New York, who was Paris, who was Milan. It's like everybody just wanted that moment and the American sportswear got lost. Like the good clothes got lost. I remember being young and like having a Donna Karen cashmere was like the premier thing to have in your closet. And you, the same woman that would buy a Donna Karen cashmere dress or sweater would buy a Terry Blair jacket and wear it over the Donna Karen. Like you bought your pieces from New York, from Paris, from Milan. Now I feel like it's lost. It's like whoever's the biggest designer out there, that's who we want to wear. Like nobody really cares about quality mm. and simplicity and basic pieces anymore. So that's why I feel like the joy of, and then you have the fast fashion and, you know, all of that. Like people just don't buy quality pieces anymore that are gonna, like my mom still has a Donna Karen cashmere dress from 1992 that she can wear. Like you, you can't say that about some of the stuff that they're putting out now. So I feel like I want to be a part of that movement to bring you know, beautiful clothes back to because we've lost our style. We've lost, and you even think about like, look at like what Ralph Lauren still does. Like those people who are still like considered a great American sportswear designer. The stuff that Ralph does is beautiful, um, but you just don't see it out there as much as you see the stuff from Paris on the line because we've lost that. I guess, for lack of a better term, that clout in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's time for us to bring that back and to be proud to be American designers, because I know I am. And they were like, you know, are you thinking about showing in Paris? I'm like, no, I'm not from Paris. Oh, that brings me, I'm so happy to hear that because I think that American designers really should be proud of being American designers and really want to show in, you know, LA or New York or someplace in America mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, it, it was, you know, showing that New York Fashion Week last year was the pinnacle of, you know, of course, and the crazy thing that you're hearing this from me because like my main influences are not from America. But I always knew that I wanted to be an American designer. So I take like the, you know, the fitted silhouette from Azalea Laya, the boldness of Johnny Versace, the beautiful lines of Jean-Franco Ferre, and I mold that with the Americana of um, Donna Karen and Ralph Lauren or Calvin Klein, and I'm like, okay, this is who I am as a designer. That's how I became who I am because I love all of these and Todd Oldham and Isaac Mizrahi, like the fun American fashion that we used to have. And I feel like it's time for that to come back. So me being able to show in New York Fashion was an honor. It wasn't like, I never even considered like I'm from South Carolina. Why would I show in Paris? It just not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just I'm American. Yeah. So I show in New York. Like, that's what you grew up knowing. Like, and you are proud to do so. Mm. Yes. <sighs> So, Sergio, before we let you go, I, I absolutely have to ask you this one question. What's the one piece in your closet that means the most to you right now and why? The one piece in my closet that means the most to me right now, hmm, it's definitely my black t-shirts. I have a hundred of them. <laughs> <laughs> why the black t-shirts? You know, Is that part of your uniform? 
It is. Okay. Um, I have on one under the city right now. <laughs> <laughs> I always have on a black t-shirt. It's just easy. And like, I go, if I go somewhere and I have on a black t-shirt and black jeans, I always get a compliment because it's like mm-hmm. black is chic. It's hard for me as a designer not to design the whole collection of black, but that's just what I like. I feel like black is I mean, we know black people are the best, and so are black clothes. It's just like everything. It's like when you know you want to go somewhere and you know you want to be sheep and you don't want to think a lot, you put on the black. Like, it's just yep. easy. And it's, yeah, I agree. It's what it is. And I would say, too, like this necklace that it's not like a special necklace that was made for me but I wear it every day. And it's just a um, gold necklace with the continent of Africa on it. And I just, you know, just think I want to think about every day and have it close to my heart because I want to think about my ancestors and everything that they sacrificed for me to be able to, you know, have my clothes be shown on the grand stage of the inauguration of the United States. I don't think people really realize, like, for you to be there and for it to be on someone that looks like you is just like mm. amazing. Like to see even Michelle as a former first lady walk out onto that stage and get the dignity and honor that she received and the way people adore her and look up to her. It's just an honor to be a part of something like that. Oh, oh I have gosh, chills. Sergio. It's been an honor speaking with you. Um, Nikki and I are Nigerian Americans, so when the world opens back up again, we're bringing you to Nigeria. Oh, y'all are real African Americans. <laughs> yeah, we're real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for for coming on Well Suited and talking to us. We wish you nothing but continued success. And we are here cheering for you and so unbelievably proud of you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hosted by Nikki and Lola Ogunaki, this special episode of Well Suited has been brought to you by New York Fashion Week, the shows, Endeavor Content, and IMG Fashion Events.